G'day guys, Trent Fleskins here, host of the Perth Property Show. Quick note before episode 175 goes to air, I'll be hosting a free webinar this week on the 6th of April, two days from now at 5pm Perth time, 7pm East Coast time, talking about what's going on in the Perth market since the borders have opened and a little bit of a forecast and where we believe things are going. You can access the webinar via the link in this podcast and also going to strategicpropertygroup.com.au. Uh, I look forward to having you guys join us and really appreciate all the support you give us. Without further ado, episode 175 of the Perth Property Show. Here we go. You're listening to the Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Perth Property Show. My name is Trent Fleskins, your host as always. Episode 175 today, we are talking commercial construction with my good friend Tim Dick from Metro West. A lot of people listening today would have an interest in what commercial construction represents, but they may not really understand until the end of this podcast what it exactly involves. Today, we're talking about steel frame construction most of the time because that's commercial construction and some of the most prevalent typologies of what that commercial construction outcome today is what we'll be talking about with Tim. We'll talk about the risks, the rewards, the time frames, all those things that are, I guess, different to the context most of us understand, which is residential double brick single story homes. Tim Dick, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me, Trent. All right, Tim, I think I gave you a good intro in terms of what market you sit in, but give us some examples of on a daily basis or a yearly basis, the sort of projects you would oversee as a project manager. Yeah, so we do a mix of projects, generally in the commercial arena, obviously, uh, child cares, petrol stations, we do warehouse type construction, we do medical construction, we do office work, we do pretty much anything that's not your house type build. We'll go up to large scale data centers to we built the indoor skydiving center the sweet spot at the moment has been childcare, has been fast food has been petrol stations the rate that they're getting churned out at the moment is rapid why um, do you think that is why are people so attracted to that development form from our perspective it seems to be a good investment from the owners Childcare seems to have a low risk in that their model for their income is very safe and if they can identify suburbs that need that service it tends to work we're yet to see any of the child cares that we have done which haven't got to capacity in in you know reasonably short periods of time likewise with petrol stations they are popping up everywhere but they're always busy it's a flavor um, of the month isn't it 100 stations it is. i don't know if you remember in perth but there was a time maybe 20 years ago when petrol stations were closing down you yeah. see a lot of these in remediation just sitting yep. there for years leaching yep. oil into the ground and the site wasn't able to be worked on some of them turned into pool supply yep. places because that's all you could really do with it and then probably five six years ago when really that 7-eleven started popping up petrol stations started coming up everywhere and i'm, I'm thinking to myself aren't we moving out of the petrol era and into the electric era we are, but I think they've changed their model from back then. So previously, it was a petrol station, you know. You'd fill up, you'd walk in, you'd, you'd pay for your petrol and walk out. Now, every petrol station you see has something attached to it. It's never just a petrol station. You know, your likes of Caltex has foodery. Your BP has the... Mug and bean. That's the one. 
Then you've got, you know, United with Pie Face and they're all trying to create a spot where people will go there, they'll have some food now, they might buy some, you know, Uber Eats sells groceries from petrol stations now. It's more than just a petrol station now and I think that's the model that they're trying to sell is people go there for more than just petrol Mm. um, and I suppose there must be decent returns on those other items that they're selling. They're popping up all over the place. You're right, we should be moving towards electric cars if you, you know, listen to everything but petrol stations keep going well i think at the end of the day uh, it will be the petrol stations that end up having the monopoly or retaining that monopoly over traffic anyway you'll eventually have ev charges at every petrol station doing the same thing but i think the point here is and this is where i'm catching on is that it's going to take a little longer to charge your car when you're having an ev car so what you're going to do there you're going to go to the cafe spend some money so they're all i think prepping for that they're getting ready for that new era let's talk about materiality Mm-hmm. something that's really different about most commercial builds because I guess there isn't the same need for the personal touch. There's probably more of a preference around uh, optionality as well, more yep. so than a resi, is that most of this stuff is built with steel frames, stud walls, they get whipped up. All of them are made, really, whether it's a childcare center, a petrol station, they're all just big box warehouses mm-hmm. with different facades, yep. aren't they? They're not your standard home where you feel like it's a home in a way. No, they're not. And and our game is about speed. So it's how quickly can we get these developments up? Whereas with your houses, once someone moves in, it's just it's just their house. These most of the developments we're doing are to make money. So commercial development, they you know, they want to get in there and start making money as soon as they can. So we have full time site managers to help facilitate that process and like you say, we do a lot of off site prefabrication of wall frames we also use tilt panels on site they go up very very quick we use precast concrete panels it's all about how fast we can do the procurement how fast we can get the construction built so we will do child cares in in six to seven months generally there's a lot of market factors which are putting pressure on that at the moment but typically it's sort of six to seven months petrol stations maybe even faster if you can do the early procurement of all your tanks and whatnot and and get to site early you can really knock petrol stations up quickly time is a factor you've you've harped on just then and it's so important in a market like this when you compare it to the resi side there's two factors here that attract me to commercial development which is where clearly i'm moving in my investment journey and you can see that on the podcast i speak to more people in this space and share it with the listenership. I see it as a de-risked option at the moment for myself because one, I can get it built a lot quicker and two, the materials that go into this development is one thing that's missing massively right now, bricks. Yep. I don't need bricks. I don't have to pay my brickies three times more. Yes, steel yep. has gone up, yep. but I can get this thing done a lot quicker in a much more efficient and cost-efficient way than what people have been hit with in the resi side plus mm. i guess you've also got the contract side of things which is much more favorable to someone on the owners the client side yep. compared to what is a massive stitch up on the resi and we'll talk about that in a bit but you know we've seen resi go up probably 40 percent maybe even 50 percent now in terms of cost in the last two years mm-hmm. what does it probably look like on the commercial side in terms of that uh, base cost if you were comparing what today's childcare center cost two and a bit years ago how's that gone it's not that much as in it's not it's no not around your 40 50 percent but it's still significant in it's probably over 20 percent we would say there's certain areas that almost haven't changed services trades like your plumbers and electricians they've been hit with price increases and things like the you know cabling and pvc but their pricing has not really increased a lot the biggest price increases we see are in steel timber 
brickwork and because of steel concrete goes up due to the reinforcement but they're the heaviest ones aluminium for windows as well which is part of that metal category and some of those have gone up over 50 60 percent um literally overnight and so their end product of what they're producing is heavily affected by that but we haven't seen developments go up by 40 50 percent nowhere close to that you can see why i'm attracted to the commercial space and development yeah i don't have that massive time risk for development because of the way you guys manage developments and we'll talk about that in a second but also i haven't seen such a shock in terms of the build cost as well yeah so it puts a lot less risk on my side i can plan for it a lot easier and get through them which is why my strategy personally has started moving towards something that includes generally commercial development rather than relying on that small builder or mid-sized builder where uh, our contracts are different and we'll we'll segue Mm -hmm. into that so in a resi space and i like to use this context because most of the listenership are used to starting from this this basis Mm. we have a hia contract and that hia contract is really an absolute stitch up towards the builder itself himself having all the control taking nearly none of the risk in terms of the contract once uh, you know up to up until the point that a, a full price fixed price contract is signed um, so they can they requote reprice they take as long as they pretty much want to to get this thing built in you know way longer than they would ever need to build a home and all of that sits on a on a client that sits there and waits and waits mm. and waits for something in the commercial space it's a much more balanced contract that really I would say puts more risk on you than me yeah I mean we always try it depends on the type of contract because we often use either AS contracts or we use master builders contracts and they are, you know, they're, they're usually quite fair. They will often go in the favour of, as you said, the owner slightly more. We always try to work with, you know, whoever our client is to, if there's certain items which are which are heavily have a big risk associated, then we'll try to work through some um, negotiation with those items. But you know, it's actually a very balanced contract, which you know, is what it we, should be. But exactly, you know, we can't just have rise and fall in our contracts where the price goes up. We just start sending through new prices. It, it doesn't work like that. We have to stick to our price. We have the ability to to claim extra time, particularly in this market with when you've got COVID, you know, related supply issues. But in general, we are motivated to build a building as quick as we can, and also on top of that, we also have to build it to a high quality because. More often than not, we have either external project managers or architects that are reviewing the work. So on mm. top of the speed, we have to deliver a good product as well. Let's stay with the speed. Give an example. You said a childcare center can be built in six, seven months. Generally, what that means is a contract you'll sign might allow you eight months to build it. Mm. And then what happens after that, which is what so many of my clients ask, can we do with Resi, which just doesn't happen, is that a clause comes in called liquidated damages where mm-hmm. once it hits a certain time frame, which might be a month after it could reasonably be built, you start paying me for the time that yep. it takes, which just sounds insane to some people, but it yep. also sounds like the right answer. For every day you're late, I get paid what is it might be equivalent to rent, really. Yep. Whereas in HIA contracts, it will take as long as it takes. Yeah, And, and so people we're, are sitting there on their hands. And that's our motivation is... Besides the LDs, which are we're costing us straight money for mm. for whatever's agreed in the contract, we also have full time site management. So we're paying a guy. Our charge out rate might be a hundred dollars an hour. So we're 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 losing eight hundred dollars a day for our site manager. We've got we've got site toilets. We've got site offices. We've mm. got potentially lunch rooms on there. 
we've got 10 power poles. You're very incentivized to get it done. We Yeah, because all of that, once we get beyond a great contract date, that's costing us money on top of the LDs. So, you know, in your resi market, you don't have full-time site managers, you don't have site sheds, you don't have lunch rooms, you might have one toilet, which is costing you $18 a week. The motivation is not there because there's no penalty if you're late. Whereas for us, the penalties is twofold. We've got straight costs in LDs and we've got all of our own costs that we have to absorb as well. So we want to get done quickly. You've also mentioned where another place I want to segue into, which is the site supervision. When you go to a project builder, for example, you might have one guy right now supervising 30, 40 builds. Mm -hmm. So you might be around for an hour or so a week just checking that stuff's being done, really not pushing the project along. Sometimes would forget he's even got some of the projects on his books. You have just referenced the fact that every project has a full-time supervisor. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a big difference in well, terms of the delivery. Well, that's how we project. get it done quick because, you know, we unless there's unforeseen delays, we have our trades either heavily overlapped, so they're all working at the same time but on different work fronts, or they are literally in the day after the other trade is finished that needs to be finished before them. And, and the site manager is there to coordinate that process because they run their own what we call short-term program separate to our main construction program, which is their micromanaging day-to-day activities. But they are also there to control quality and to control safety as well. We don't want to do reworks because that costs us time. So our site manager is there to check stuff before it happens. We do thorough checks on slabs. We do thorough checks on framing before anything else goes ahead to ensure that everything is ready before we close it up, before we pour the concrete. And on top of that is safety is another big one. You know, we have swims, we have um, sign-ins, we have inductions. Everyone has to be harnessed that's working on a roof. We have a lot of processes and procedures of our own that we have to follow to meet legislation. And I've never been in the resi game, but I don't know how it's different there, but it's different because you don't see it. It doesn't happen in that game. If I asked John Bloggs builders, residential guys to build me a 4 by 2 and then I came and got a quote from Tim Dick to do it from their commercial setup, could you guys compete financially with him? Generally not. So from what we've seen, particularly with the large-scale resi builders, is they will have cabinet makers, for example, that just work for them and they will have agreed rates that are very low but it's because they've got guaranteed work across the next 12 months for example because these these builders might have homes being built on their books for you know years in advance so not only do they get these trades get guaranteed work so they lower their price but then they have agreed rates that that they will always give to them pretty much everything we do is bespoke so whilst it might be normal sort of cabinetry it is different in every job we do doesn't even matter if it's the same operator for childcare, for example. The colours might be the same, but all the cabinetry, carcasses, everything will be different. So we have no ability to... Plug and play, a house and land package. Yeah, we can't... Yeah, we this can't, is the siesta home. Exactly. Yeah. So we can't say, well, we're going to produce 100 of that one lot of cabinets because it's going to fit into every home we're going to build for the next however long. Everything we do is bespoke and on top of that, we have all these systems and processes that we have to follow. We also have the full-time site supervision to get the job built quicker. We've looked at it before, but we cannot really compete with a big project home builder. They're just on a, in a, working in a different space to us. So why would you want to be a commercial builder, a commercial building company over and above a resi company? We spoke about the contracts and how they're a lot more balanced. You know, They, they seem to protect 
my side a lot more than in a resi space why would you want to be in your space right now versus the resi space for me it's the well for us it's the structure that that we have in commercials having all those processes and procedures is is a good thing in my eyes it means we deliver a good quality product and we deliver it quick and we also get to work on a unique range of projects so it's just a different space i suppose some people love working in the resi space but the commercial space i feel has just more structure more process and things follow your typical construction methods a a bit differently to to the resi game as you would have heard in the resi space there's a lot of fear about the risk of a lot of builders falling over Mm -hmm. they've signed a lot of fixed contracts prices can continue to escalate cash flow is an issue how does that sit in the commercial construction space right now we don't hear a lot about you know your company and your competitors is it a similar risk right now we still have the risk is still there for us but we are very careful particularly at the moment about what jobs we pick the risk that we see in that project we're not working on 40 projects at a time that might all have you know if we're doing 40 projects with timber framing and timber framing goes up that's a significant problem we might be working on three at a time you know and so we can manage those those price increases we can you know manage the time on them because we're working on less projects that we can focus on better and we we choose the projects that will present the, the least risk to us through this period particularly because the market is fluctuating so much in terms of price increases and and delays you don't know what you're going to get from one week to the other so for us it's about trying to get really ahead of the game and, and ordering stuff as early as we can to sort of mitigate the time delays that we see at the moment and also to try to lock in prices as well because once we've agreed to a price um, we want to try to lock in the trades early so that we can sort of secure the material at a set rate then if you leave it three months you might get one or two price increases during that period which you've got to then absorb do you think that you've got competitors colleagues in your industry that are suffering or or is the commercial space immune to the cost increases to an extent more than the resi space i don't think we're immune any different well i don't think we have any other or any less risk than what the resi space has in terms of price increases you just manage Um, it better yeah and also as i said the volume so you know if you've got 40 houses but some of them aren't aren't due to start for a year you've already signed up to a price for a project which isn't starting in a year we're looking at them right now so so we we don't have a whole heap of price increases that happen from signing a contract to starting the actual work so a lot of the suppliers we work with the guys that supply say as just an example door frames they'll supply to the resi market just as much as they'll supply to the commercial market so if their price goes up we're getting the same price increase that they get. It's a standard email that go out and they'll say, supply price has gone up, we're increasing our prices 30% or, or whatever. And that's just across the board. I've never seen it like this at the moment because you've got three areas that are combining here where you've got the price increases in materials due to, I suppose, supply and demand. You've got shortages of materials because of the supply chain issues due to COVID. You've got a shortage of labour, which is going on top of that because of COVID and and the border restrictions we've had and then on top of that the government introduced a stimulus for the for the residential sector to boost that which is probably the only sector that didn't need a stimulus package but Mm. you know that's a separate topic and so you've got this compounding effect of all these you know factors which are driving prices up 
creating supply shortages, materials and creating labour shortages. And everyone in the industry, commercial or residential, is seeing that risk. It's just in the commercial. I think due to the volume of work we do and the way we structure the projects, we try to mitigate that risk as much as we can. We've spoken at length already about increased prices on materials and and all the things you spoke about there, supplier labour. What choices are your current clients making to try and mitigate that, not only from a cost perspective, but also a access to supply perspective as well? I guess we're trying to stay away from brick facades. Yeah, so it all starts at the design stage. You know, you really got to drive the design to suit what's going to suit in the market in terms of what you can buy and what's going up in price. So, for example, at the moment, timber has gone up in price, but it's also hard to get. Steel has gone up in price but you can still get it. So, you know, designing a building with more steel structure traditionally might cost you a little bit more, but at the moment you can get the material. So you've got this you've got this consideration of what's going to take longer to build and what's going to be, you know, cheaper. Brick supply price is okay and and the big brick suppliers are all keeping up with the demand, but trying to get brickies and the the cost of laying bricks is is unheard of at the moment you know we we went from a period where you know maybe in 2018 we might pay a a dollar five for a face brick to be laid some guy you know you could get it even less than that you know we've seen people advertising for you know three three dollars fifty a brick at the moment plus completion bonuses if you've got a big brick construction that's just tripled your cost Mm. of labor on your bricks so we would traditionally try to keep the scope of brickwork to a minimum at the moment we have brickies that we work with that will fit in small stuff for us still in amongst their um you know their project home workload that's gone ongoing for a long time so a small amount of brickwork is okay but you really want to try to look for the steel look for your concrete if you can do projects that use till panel construction concrete we don't seem to have any time delay on at the moment Yes, the price has gone up slightly because of the steel reinforcement, which has gone up, but we can build concrete just as fast as we were four years, three years ago. So choosing the type of materials is is critical at the moment if you want a building to go up quick. Your concrete, your steel seems to be going up okay. Which I think is a big factor that is important for people to remember when developing a commercial. So we, we tie this all back to the financials of this is the exit strategy for a commercial is one of two things. We're either simply going to rent it out on a term lease that could be 3, 5, 10, 15 years depending on the asset class. Is it a childcare? Is it a retail, fast food, medical centre? They all have different term leases and that's what our exit strategy is. Just get it finished as fast as possible so we can get a rental income in. Yeah. Right. Yep. The other ac- outcome is selling it either as a vacant opportunity for an owner-occupier to come into or as a leased investment for a fund to buy. If you're selling it as a leased investment for a fund to buy, what you're trying to do is get it sold at the lowest capitalization rate as possible, which reflects really the lowest interest rate someone's happy to take, right? Mm -hmm. As interest rates start going up in the market, people start wanting higher interest rates, Mm. uh, higher capitalization rates, high yields uh, for their asset, which means they'll pay us less for that investment. So speed is super important when developing commercial in a market where you expect rates to go up, which because what it means is people will pay you less for that asset, less for that rental income coming in. So what you've spoken to there is actually really relevant because it is very much a case of the developer of commercial who's building a new childcare or petrol or fast food really doesn't care whether it's made of timber, steel or brick. Yep. As long as it's cost effective, but most importantly, 
the quicker it comes up, the quicker we get paid and more likely the more we'll get paid for it in a market like this. The beauty about commercial is we don't have a, a set range of products to choose from for our building scope. If we do a DNC or even if a client comes to us with a design, it can be anything. You can choose, you know, you could have one childcare operator that, that can have a timber frame construction here or a tilt panel construction there and the theme carries, carries through in terms of their colour scheme but the construction can be completely different so you can just steer the construction style to suit how you know how the market is if steel starts going up and you want to move to concrete well cool let's do a concrete tilt panel construction and maybe put some cladding on it mm. to add some architectural you know interest to it you can steer the development to go the way you want it to without being stuck with i suppose what you see in the resi market which is a double brick construction which is yeah. just standard in in wa I think there's a lot more flexibility. Whilst you can do all that in the residential market, it's not it's not standard. And you and from what I understand, it's not a you know the project home builders won't have those sort of options as as normals. It'll be you know it'll be your double brick. Yeah, you can make them go up quicker and cheaper just by choosing the right product. If you were going to do your first commercial development, coming out of resi, you've done a couple of triplexes, and you want to get into that first commercial space because of the reasons we've spoken about today. Mm-hmm. Where do you think people would best be starting on? It's a good question. I mean, we don't know from the you know from your point of view what what the the returns are like on you know the different types of construction because that's not our field. But in terms of the least risk, building mixed-use commercial at a tilt panel and 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 some steel is is a very easy low-risk construction at the moment. So if you can do a small commercial mixed-use commercial development that uses almost warehouse type like construction, a showroom? yeah. Uh, exactly, and it's all pretty much like a warehouse style construction, but on a smaller scale. You know, you don't have your eight meter high roofs and whatnot. But that construction is is very simple. It's very quick. It's it's low risk, and you can still add interest to it by choosing some claddings here and there, or having some fancy awnings. You can do stuff out of the steel, which makes it still look like a good high end development without you know introducing a lot of the risk of some of the more expensive cladding type products or introducing a lot of materials which we're facing shortages of at the moment keep it simple exactly exactly that is that is the motto <laughs> tim dick metro west constructions i really appreciate you coming in for your first time i think you've done a great job <laughs> uh, representing the industry and, and most importantly just educating our listenership about what it is you do where the risks and opportunities are and hopefully it gives some people some thought bubbles about where they might take their investment strategy in the future so thanks so much yep. for your time mate Thanks for having me. Hopefully it helped. You've done well. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!